Well, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, as uh, that's where we'll be as I make a couple comments on this passage. Uh, You know, the season of Advent obviously is such a wonderful opportunity for all of us to uh, celebrate the Lord and to remember uh, when Christ came or that he came, and more importantly, why he came. Um, We've been reminded so beautifully by the music this evening and uh, about what Christmas is really all about. In, In Luke's account of Jesus' birth, there's a brief phrase that's repeated three times that's like a pointer that I believe it's important and it's easy to overlook. Uh, Let me give you an example of what it means to overlook. Um, We had a cute shaggy dog for a number of years. It was a lot of fun. It was great around our kids, uh, but not the smartest dog. Uh, He never got the throw a ball and fetch thing down. Um, We'd throw the ball and we'd point at the ball and we'd say, go get it. And he'd look at our hands or our finger and he'd look at maybe at at us, but would basically lose interest and just go nowhere. So he was a little loose on the concept of pointing. Uh, And I think sometimes that's the way it can be for us. And we miss the significance of an account in the Bible and what it's trying to teach us. So in the description of Jesus' birth in Luke, there's a short phrase that will come up, and and because of that, I think it's significant. And we'll talk about that in just a second, but I want to read the verses where that's found, and so listen and see if you can pick it out. So from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And then if you skip down to verse 11, it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So that's the account around which our world and human history revolves. And that little phrase that's repeated three times is in the manger. Not once, not twice, three times. You know, we think of the manger as the structure in which Jesus was born and and, and the place where the animals eat, but the manger was literally what the animals would eat from. It was a feeding trough. Uh, In in French, the word manger, manger, means to eat. We often equate it with the stable. I don't think that's wrong, but the manger really was this makeshift crib, if you will, in which Jesus was laid. 
We often think of the manger as just kind of a picturesque image that we have on Christmas cards or that we have maybe some manger scenes around the house to remind us of, of Jesus, and that's great, but it's more than that. The angel says in verse 12, this will be a sign to you because a manger is an odd place to lay a baby. Uh, one commentator says, the manger isn't important in itself. It's a signpost, a pointing finger to the identity and the task of the baby boy who's lying in it. There's only going to be one baby lying in the manger. And that doesn't just tell us something about the baby. It tells us something about the kingdom that he's bringing to earth. It tells us something about the hope that we can radically accept in God the Son's incarnation. So if for whatever reason this evening you find yourself feeling hopeless, uh, know that Jesus came to give you hope. And there's quite a contrast at the very beginning of this passage. In verse 1 of Luke 2, it says, About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken of the entire world. Now, Caesar Augustus was the most powerful man in the world. He had more money, he had more fame and more influence than anyone. And he had even armies at his disposal. So if there was anybody who mattered, if there was anybody who was the king, who was the ruler, it was Caesar Augustus. And he became king violently by violence. As the adopted son of Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus found himself in the middle of a very violent civil war to find out who would get the throne. And the end of the war came when his final opponent, Mark Anthony, recognized that Augustus would win. There was no future for him, and he took his own life. Caesar Augustus took Rome from being a republic ruled by a senate to an empire ruled by an emperor. So in this context, Luke tells us that Caesar Augustus issues a decree, a law. And this decree impacts many families who he never met, particularly one family, who end up in a town that Caesar Augustus never would visit, as far as we know, the town of Bethlehem, which just happened to be the same place that the prophet Micah said there would come one who would rule the world. But this one would not rule like Caesar, Instead of conquering by shedding the blood of others, Jesus would triumph by sacrificing his own blood. And you'll find him clothed not in gold or satin, and wrapped up, but wrapped up tightly with plain cloths. You won't find him laying in a golden crib in a palace, but in a humble feeding trough. In Isaiah's prophecy, about the birth of Jesus in Isaiah 9, it says, for to us a child is born and he shall be called mighty God. What a paradox that a newborn baby in a manger 
should be called mighty. But look at the way, think of the way that even as a baby, he revealed his power. His birth impacted the heavens so that a star appeared. Uh, The kings in the east saw this star and it made them leave their homes for Jerusalem. And it was like a flashing neon sign that pointed them ultimately to Bethlehem. And their announcement that they were looking for a king shook Herod and his court. His birth brought angels from heaven and it brought shepherds from their flocks. Midnight became like midday to the glory, as the glory of God appeared to men. The Christmas manger is a symbol that points us to a realm that prioritizes a love that's humble, a love that is self-sacrificing. The manger points us to a king. Like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, who was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And Jesus would teach us that the way to become great is to wash feet. It's to serve. And the way to full and eternal life is to die to ourselves. And most of all, the manger makes us ask the question, why did Jesus come? He came to die on a cross for your sins and mine. And so the manger points to the cross. And the cross points us to the forgiveness that's ours in Christ if we receive this gift of Jesus. So in this Christmas season, whatever it is that you're facing, however it may be that life is not turning out for you exactly the way you want it to, that is not the end of hope. That's not the end of the story. In this life right now, you may have disappointments, you may have setbacks or regrets, or on the other hand, things may be going great for you. But wherever you are in life is exactly where God wants to meet you. In your joy or in your brokenness and in your pain. In Luke chapter two, verse 20, It says that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. The text doesn't tell us that the shepherds knelt at Jesus' Jesus' feet in the manger, or at the manger, but they definitely had a heart of worship. And we need to have that same heart, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week have a heart of worship so that we can live lives of worship before God. So that begs the question, do you have a heart of worship? That should be the posture that we come to the Lord all the time as we come to, to that he give, when he gives us salvation, when we come to the cross for his forgiveness and, and trusting him. It saves us from the penalty of our sin. Salvation comes not by wealth, Not by power, not by might, not by Caesar or all that he represents. The way of salvation is the way of the manger. It's Jesus. He is our only hope. That in the hope that we find, we're invited at Christmas and even today to receive that hope. 
You know, we love being able to share that hope with you, and we're so glad that you came this evening. In the New Testament times, it was Caesar who seemed to have it all. They even called him the Savior, and he received that title gladly. And in the world's eyes, Jesus had nothing. Caesar had everything. Look at that contrast. But the reality is exactly the opposite. And so I have a question for you, and that is this. Have you personally received the hope of salvation? If you haven't, we want to make that offer to you this evening. Don't miss out on what, the, the, what is being pointed out to us very clearly, and that is to be able to receive Jesus. So what we bring you today is good news of great joy to all people, that unto us is born this day a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And like we've been saying through the music and through the narration, we're inviting you today to go beyond the imagery of Jesus lying in a manger and invite you to come to him and to come to him just as you are and let him do the changing of who you are. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you uh, saved us, that you came to earth to save us, that you sent Jesus. We're grateful that we don't just have to feel good at Christmas in a way that wears off, but we can think about what you're calling us to look at, at the manger, and then that pointing us to the cross. And contrast this with what the world has to offer. And, and, can, and we can better understand what Christmas really means. We look at the manger and think of the cross. And it can be an anchor for our souls. And we pray that. We ask that this Christmas, you might help us to think out all that it means to us to have fellowship with you and genuine fellowship with, with each other because of your amazing grace. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know you personally, that they may just respond to you right now in faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.